ignition sequence start. Everything. Everything. Sounds. Sounds. This is Everything Sounds. I'm George Drake Jr. And I'm Craig Shank. This is Everything Sounds. What if your long-term memory only lasted 7 to 30 seconds, and your past memory, in a sense, well, it never existed? And now imagine that in that past memory, you were a cellist, and currently, you're still able to play. This is the reality for a man only referred to as the initials PM. PM remembers how to play the cello, and during a study, it was discovered that he could actually learn new music. He can identify parts of sheet music, including time signatures, and he can even pass a musical memory test. All of this while forgetting what his apartment looks like, or who his doctors are. Those things are called explicit memory. The doctors studying PM have concluded that musical memory is stored where explicit memory is not. Although PM is not able to recall facts or events, he's not only still able to use his musical knowledge, but he's also able to add to it. Think about it a series of parts of the brain that are safe from memory loss. That's where we're headed, trying to squeeze ourselves into those spots with the help of a program that's in 21 states and 62 care facilities across North America, as well as the Netherlands, Australia, and Israel. This is Dan. Dan Cohen, C-O-H-E-N. He founded what we'll be talking about today. A founder and executive director of Music and Memory. With a name like Music and Memory, it focuses on exactly what you'd think. It's a nonprofit organization which uses personalized music to help improve the lives of the elderly or those in healthcare facilities. They've seen the most impact with one group of individuals. It's especially effective for people with Alzheimer's disease. Music and Memory has been bringing music to patients for almost a decade. They've seen drastic changes in some patients after increasing their access to music. What's important about what they do is what Craig said earlier personalized music. If you've ever been to a retirement home, you probably know that music does play a vital role in the lives of the residents. People come in to play the piano, and some music is played from stereos, but Dan saw an outlet for something truly different, and potentially more rewarding. So I called up my nearest nursing home and I said, I know that music's already your number one recreational activity, but can we see if there's any added value to totally personalizing the music for each resident? And they said, sure. And so I came in with my laptop and some iPods and it was in, an instant hit with the, uh, with the individuals who were reconnected with their music. If the patient can still communicate, music and memory will sit down and learn about them. Things like what they did when they were younger, genres of music that they listen to most often, and some of their favorite artists. Anything that can establish a baseline for what music they could provide. If the patient doesn't have the ability to communicate, they take another approach. Many people are not able to articulate their, uh, their, their music or uh, their preferences. And so we then speak to their family and we'll ask them, well, what did they listen to when they were young? Were they in a choir or a chorus? Uh, did they like going to musicals? Did they sing in the shower? What do you sing as kids with them? In their closet now in storage, what records are there? Dan said one thing that's crucial is that they don't just provide them with the music of their era. Preference goes much deeper than that. I remember there was one time when I was in the car with my dad and Elvis Costello's Radio Radio came on, and he said that he had never heard of him. I just figured that because he was in his 20s and the 70s that he knew who Elvis Costello was, but that's exactly it. We're all quite different. 
Just because somebody grew up in a certain decade doesn't necessarily mean the music from that decade means something to them. Oh, they're 40s, therefore they like big band and they like Frank Sinatra. Well, not always the case. People, every person is like, uh, their preferences are like fingerprints. Every person has a different playlist once you really get down to what they really like, what really moves them. The process is pretty simple from there. Once they establish a foundation of the music that the patient enjoys, they come in with the iPods and headphones. They're not exclusively using iPods in some sort of plot to support Apple. It's just a training and access issue. The organization didn't want staff members at these facilities to have to learn how to operate all different kinds of MP3 players. Plus, there's a built-in music server associated with iPods in the form of iTunes. It was really just easier for everyone involved. They may use Apple products, but they don't use those earbuds. Many patients don't even want to use the headphones they give them. But over time, they begin to associate the music with those headphones, so ultimately they get used to them. After bringing the patient to a table with the iPod and the headphones, they can sit down and enjoy the music from their past. So certainly, and for others who have sort of a, a middle, mid-stage Alzheimer's, uh, who are really feeling great angst because they know that they're not functioning uh, the way they want to be and it's very frustrating for them, the music gives them a break. Uh, the music, they can enjoy the music, they can be totally focused on the music, and, and that's, that's a really big deal. So families, therefore, can finally have a break and enjoy themselves. Many times the patient's families also benefit from this kind of service. Imagine someone in your family not responding to you or maybe not even recognizing you. Then they come to life after hearing the music of their youth. So that's what they do at Music in Memory. They attempt to reconnect people with their past, even if it's only for a short while. They just want to bring some life and joy back into families' loved ones. They've been watching their loved one decline perhaps consistently over months or years. And so anything that they can do to bring pleasure back and to reconnect them with music and to have their mood change or to see even for someone who is, um, has very advanced dementia and they're not responding to, they may no, no longer recognize their own family members. They may no longer be able to speak, but if they hear music from their youth, they will very often just awaken, start singing the music to almost perfect rhythm. And it, it's quite a sight to behold. And so families are really delighted, you know, when they see this. Music and Memory wants their practices to become a standard of care in all 16,000 facilities across the U.S. Dan explained that the U.S. government is looking into a multi-year plan to help reduce the amount of prescription drugs given to Alzheimer's patients in nursing homes around the country. But Music and Memory may be able to do that in around three to four months. It's even better. There are drugs for people. I mean, there are drugs, antipsychotic drugs to calm people down, um, that, which increase mortality rate, by the way, according to studies that everybody is aware of who's in the industry. You have anti-anxiety medications, anti-depression medications, or sleeping pills. But for our nursing homes that are tracking this, they're finding in, in one instance they were tracking the use of these drugs. Um, the antipsychotics, they cut the use in half. The number of residents who are using them in half, you know, pre and post the use of the iPod. Music as medication. Who knew? Um, so we'd really like to uh, replicate this and sort of demonstrate this to the government so that everybody agrees, you know, let's make this happen. Music and memory is doing something that no drug has been able to do up until this point. It's bringing life to patients who, most often, haven't been very responsive. And what's even better? It's a natural shift, not a manufactured one. 
as Dr. Al Power, who's a prominent geriatrician and uh, leading the way in terms of person-centered care for nursing home residents, has said drugs can dim the spark. They can't ignite it. They can't really make you alive. And that's what what the music does. Um, So we're very excited about that. And that's what makes this organization so special. They're making a difference without making a change in the body's chemistry. The music brings back a piece of them that they haven't necessarily forgotten, but in a sense misplaced. Music in memory just digs it up and dusts it off. If the outcomes that we're generating with the music came in the form of a pill, that pill would be a multi-billion dollar blockbuster and every doctor would be learning how to prescribe it for the patients. Um, But because it's not in the form of a pill, and then not just the doctors, but families, we don't think of it. Oh, if it's not a pill, is it good enough for my mother? It, will it really work? There's doubt. And so, you know, we say we have proof this is working. Um, it doesn't work for everybody in the same way, um, but it's working most of the time. And so there's everything to gain and really nothing to lose by trying. Dan and his nonprofit have helped many patients living with Alzheimer's, but there were a few that were particularly memorable. One was a woman who was living in a care facility in Pennsylvania. She was on anti-anxiety medication like he had mentioned earlier. She would uh, always repeat the same four or five words phrase. Uh, For instance, if she'd watch a John Wayne Western, she'd be saying, quick, get the gun, if she heard that phrase over and over. And the problem was, aside from her own anxiety, she'd say it loud anytime, day or night. And it was was really hard for everybody. The nurses proposed this idea of using music to her son. He went on to explain that she never really listened to music, and he couldn't remember a time where she listened to music in the house. It just wouldn't work. And they really pleaded with him, you know, there's nothing to lose. And they finally did it. And in two weeks' time, she not only stopped repeating herself, she was just singing the song from end to end, all of the words, and she was much more relaxed. To the point was, because this happened during the holidays, that one of the staff, nursing staff, was on vacation for two weeks. She came back, she said, what happened to her? And they said, you know, more drugs? What'd you, what'd you do? Uh, no, no, it was the music. There was another time when Dan was in a nursing home, and he asked one of the nurses a fairly simple question. He said, Who's your most disruptive resident? And they said, well, yeah, we have this guy. He's cursing at the nurses. He'll knock the water out of their hands, the food. It's really very a big drain on everybody. And I said, well, what we know about his background? They said, we, we really don't know much except he was uh, in the Navy. Dan never spoke to his family, and he never spoke with him directly. But just with that one piece of information, he was able to create a 30-song patriotic playlist. They just put the headphones on him and hope for the best. And he snapped to attention. So, and then started singing and humming the song. So, instead of cursing and, and being, he was fully occupied with the music. And so, instantly, we just changed his life and the lives of those around him. Probably the most vivid example was a man by the name of Henry. His story is pretty standard as far as Alzheimer's patients are concerned. Most of the time, he was unresponsive and pretty much just sat with his eyes down at the table. Music in Memory brought Henry the music of his past, and filmmaker Michael Rosado Bennett came along to document his experience. You may have seen the clip when it first came out in 2012. It's from a movie titled Alive Inside. Before Henry gets the headphones, his head is facing down. He's keeping to himself, and generally he's uninterested in the people around him. When the music finally gets turned on, his entire demeanor changes. 
He sits upright, his eyes are wide open looking straight ahead of him, and instead of sitting quietly, Henry hums along. What's even more amazing is Henry after hearing the music. He's responsive and more alert than before, and when he's asked what his favorite Cab Calloway song is, he sings it. Oh, I'll be home there Christmas. You can count on me. A man who spends most of his day quiet and to himself is all of a sudden expressive and coherent through the power of music. What does music do do to you? It gives me the feeling of love. No man, figure right now the world needs to come into music singing. You got beautiful music in. Beautiful, oh, lovely. It's been proven that smell is the strongest sense attributed to memory, but memory attributed to sound is much different. With smell, it's often associated with a place or a person, but with sound, or more specifically music, it's a time of our lives, or it's a fragment of our youth. But with Henry, it's a memory to be relived. Music is a way to define our past, and a way to remember who we once were. Music and Memory is an organization intent on restoring dignity and happiness to patients and hope to their families. Without using medications or potentially harmful practices, Dan and his colleagues take the time to learn about each of the patients to create something original for them. Placing the emotional well-being of a loved one in the hands of an MP3 player might seem bizarre at first, but like Dan said, there's nothing to lose. Certainly if you put the headphones on and I've had it with somebody who just sits quietly listening to the music and they're relaxing and they, you know, if they're enjoying the music, you know, we like sometimes to listen to calming music or loud music or whatever, depending on our mood. And regardless of what condition you have, your moods are the same. Your emotional system is really pretty much unchanged. And even if you can't speak or, or remember things from five minutes ago, the music is still going to uh, soothe your soul. I mean, it is food for the soul, and for people not to have access to their music, um, you know, is um, you know, unfortunate. You can find out more about Music and Memory and how you can contribute to the organization from our website, everythingsounds.org. There you can also see that clip of Henry from the Michael Rosado Bennett film, Alive Inside. If you're new to the show or you just want to dig back through past episodes, find the episode guide on the website. And you can also find links to follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. If you like what we're doing with the show, tell us. We'd love your feedback. Go to the contact page at our website or rate and review the show on iTunes. And if you feel like those kind words aren't enough, consider becoming an Everything Sounds audiophile. You can support the show by giving a one-time or monthly donation. Every little bit counts. Until next time, thanks for listening to Everything Sounds. I'm George Drake Jr. And I'm Craig Shank. This has been Everything Sounds. Find out more about the podcast at everythingsounds.org. Connect with Everything Sounds on Facebook and also on Twitter.